Welcome to my basement, everybody. Now, imagine bursting onto the screen and kicking off your career in Hollywood as a high-flying comic book superhero. That's exactly what my guest on the show today did. Billy Campbell has been a busy actor, working on stage and all sizes of screen for more than three decades now. You know him from The Rocketeer, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Crime Story, Star Trek The Next Generation, The 4400, Helix, and Cardinal, and many more. And today, he joins me in the basement, which is brought to you by our friends at the Gaming Stadium. They are Canada's leader in online esports tournament facilitation. They have tournaments going on every weekend that you don't want to miss out on. You can join up with them at tgs.gg. All right, let's get started with the show. Welcome to my basement, everybody. But it's a little bit weird. We're actually with Billy Campbell in not his basement, his apartment. Welcome back to Vancouver, British Columbia, sir. Thanks, Vic. I'm super excited to be here. That's amazing. <clears throat> You've been uh, traveling all over the world. It's been a long time since we've been able to catch up on stuff. Yeah, it yeah. has been a long time. It's been like five or six years, I think, or something. I've been over in uh, Scandinavia multiplying. Uh, Congratulations. Have, yeah, thank you. Two kids now, three and six. And um, uh, yeah, love and life. Are you living the life that you saw for yourself or is it all still kind of surprising to you that this is what's going on for you? I, you know, in the, in the immortal words of one of our favorite uh, movie heroes, I was kind of making it up as I went along. Right on. Uh, um, I, I can't say that I saw it for myself, but it sure I sure recognized it when I did see it. Yeah, and um, I, I, you know, I've never been happier. I mean, notwithstanding all of the madness in the world. What's life like in Norway? Is it like you've spent a lot of time in Canada? You've been shooting Cardinal. You shot the Killing here in Vancouver. Is it like Canada, or is it a totally different vibe? It's um, it is like Canada in some ways. You know, I've I've been in love with Canada since I was a baby. I came to Canada for summers. You know, from the time I was an infant, um, in Ontario, and then when I got older, I I grew to love Canada for for grown up reasons, and um, and I find that Norway is not all that different. You know, I mean, you come north of the border from the States, as I have for years to work here, and you cross the border and suddenly you're surrounded by reasonable people. And, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, it's very much the same and uh, very much the same in Norway. Awesome. Congratulations on Cardinal. It's been a big success and an award winning success and uh, a fulfilling experience for you. Immensely fulfilling, uh, immensely fulfilling. I think it was uh, sort of the role of a of a of a lifetime for me. Maybe it it uh, it was um, yeah fulfilling in almost every way, um, aside from having to be apart from my family. Yeah, um, is that how it works? You would be because you were in the boonies in Canada quite often to film yeah, that show. Yeah, so we, you'd be away from family to go off and do those. Yeah, I would come over and and it just didn't make sense with young kids to you know for Anna to come over and and um, be stuck in a strange town, you know, in the middle of winter with no friends and no yeah. support and um, didn't make any sense at all and. Uh, so it was, you know, it was tough. Uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't deny that I uh, that I enjoyed the all the extra sleep I was getting yeah. on my days off, um, 
or being able to eat whatever I wanted anytime I wanted to eat it. But uh, but I miss them like poison, and I, I miss them now. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we were more or less in the boonies up in northern Ontario in uh, North Bay, um, which is a lovely, lovely little town if you. Uh, if you have it dialed in, you spent so much of your, uh, you know, younger career in Hollywood and in the Los Angeles kind of space, and you lived in LA for a long time. Mm -hmm. And has acting always allowed you this opportunity to travel, or did you have to make a conscious choice to go off and see the world? Um, I thought I would travel so much more than I actually did when I when I. You know, before I got into acting, I wondered a couple things like, wow, you know, what crazy places am I going to go? Yeah. Um, and will being in uh, film uh, destroy my enjoyment of uh, the movies? Right. And television. Right. Um, and neither of those things came true. <laughs> uh, I, I found that uh, I, most of my work was right there in Culver City in Los Angeles or wherever. Well, even when I started in film, you know, The Rocketeer, we shot in Los Angeles yep. and maybe a little in Santa Maria. Um, and then Dracula was right there in Culver City at the Culver <laughs> City Studios on stages, you know, in stages. It wasn't even an outdoor movie. So, um, uh, you know, the dream of uh, like going all over the world uh, because of uh, movies, at least in the beginning, was not not panning out so much. Um and uh, yeah, it was only it was only sort of later that that it became uh, you know I started going you know now I've been to I got to do a movie in Sri Lanka and one in uh, the South Pole, amazing <laughs> so, in Antarctica, um, and uh, and then I came to Vancouver for the first time in '98 to do a big old TV movie, and uh, of course fell in love with this place. Yep. Meant to spend the rest of my life here, hence this apartment. Um, and then promptly fell in love with a Norwegian. <laughs> so, uh, you know. And you've uh, you've got a side gig or a side passion sailing. Mm -hmm. Does that does that continue? I know the pandemic has probably put everything on hold, but are you still kids a, have put everything and, on and hold. the kids too? Yeah. Um, but the. But yes, I mean, I, I remain passionate about it. I, I haven't been sailing now since uh, probably the uh, summer of 19 yep. um, when we were over to uh, Nova Scotia. But yeah, it remains a passion. As you know, I, I started on the, um, in 2000, I started on the, the tall ships, the big square rig sailing ships. Norway has three of them. I started on one of those and uh, I loved it so much. I was on it for like four years. Uh, four sailing seasons, and on the last season aboard that ship, uh, my shipmate Ida brought her cousin to uh, be a trainee on board, and, yeah. and she is now my wife. That's, a, that's <laughs> amazing. That's yeah. amazing. So um, this is the 30th anniversary of the Rocketeer, mm -hmm. and there's lots of things percolating around that. You've been asked to be interviewed about it, and, and you're talking about it a lot right now. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite movies. You know, Long before I met you, I was uh, enamored by the property and the character. 
my wife and I took a trip to Walt Disney World when we were younger, and, and I was taking pictures in front of all the props from the movie. <laughs> so it's incredibly surreal that we uh, got, had a chance to meet and yeah. go through the movie and all that. But it, it must be surreal for you as, as time moves on to kind of reflect and to be in the headspace of you as a... Uh, you know, a young Hollywood actor coming up in the uh, in the system to think and reflect back on that film. What does it mean to you now? I, I mean, it means so much. It was it was uh, so. Uh, what's the word? Seminal uh, for me, and in every way. Yeah. Uh, it was my first movie gig, and. Um, uh, I mean, how's that for your first, your first movie gig? You know, yeah. it's like, um, and I, you know, I mean, I was falling in love at the same time, and and um, it, it opened a lot of doors. Even though, of course, it it uh, was uh, purportedly a box office failure, right? Um, but I have such fondness for that movie and for everyone uh, I made that movie with. I'm still fast friends with Alan Arkin. I see him whenever possible, and we chat all the time. Uh, I was fast friends with JC for years afterwards. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was just an amazing, amazing thing. I, I Yeah, it, it, it's the funny thing about films, you know, being an actor. They're like uh, living, breathing yearbooks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. You can put it in, and I can remember... I can remember where the craft service table was on that any given day of a scene or, or uh, you know, I remember extras and props and talking to people and meeting people and the fun we had after work on any given day of the show. It's Was that Joe Johnston's directorial debut? No, no, it wasn't. I think Honey, I Shrunk the Kids oh, might have been. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so, yeah. but he was still coming up, right? He was a much younger director at the time. He hadn't made Captain America at that time. No. Was yeah. he, it, it's, talk to me about the the feeling on set. Was it uh, we're all in this together, or was it kind of, uh, or was it you know very officious and everybody no. knew their disciplines? And no, no, no. I mean, I, I think no, no. Officious is certainly not the right word. It was, it was. Uh, it was efficient, mm -hmm. um, but it was um, I, the atmosphere on set. I remember as being terrific, but then I was falling in love. So who, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't take my word. Understandable, <clears throat> but um, but I do think that the atmosphere on set was was wonderful, and and everybody was excited. You know, Dave Stevens was there quite a bit, and yeah. he was super excited and. And really happy to be part of it and happy that the filmmakers would let him come and be part of it. And um, I think he was, I know he was, he said so, that he was so happy with the, the film. And um, I, I just remember it as a, such a wonderful, wonderful time and a wonderful group of people, many of whom I'm, I'm still, uh, still friends with. That's so awesome. Yeah. Did it ruin you a little bit? Did it kind yeah. of set expectations for everything <laughs> <Yes>. else? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, the, my first two movies did that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rocketeer and Dracula. Yeah. And because, uh, uh, like, I mean, two, you couldn't, you could hardly pick two more sort of old fashioned 
movies. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as a kid who was in love with old fashioned movies, yes. it was just, uh, it was just, it was mind bending. Um, so yeah, that did kind of ruin me. Um, and then I, you know, I, I had the long, slow descent into, uh, you get to a place where you're like, well, I, it's, it was the best it ever was, <laughs> would be. So, yeah. you know, I'll just do this other thing that really, I don't think is very good at all. I'll just take the money and. You well, know. you never know though, right? I mean, that's the thing. You don't know how it's going to be perceived or received and. Well, you do. I mean, yeah? you, 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 you're virtually certain to, to, um, um, accurately predict when something's going to be bad really yeah okay. It's, okay it's it's virtually certain i'm yeah. saying yeah um it's a, it's more difficult to to tell ones if something will be good right um but i mean you can right from the go if you read the script <laughs> and it's a stinker you you're virtually you know assured that it will be bad um if you read a script and it's terrific you're still not assured that it That's will be good turn out good yeah um, what was the most horrific day on set for you? Horrific day? Yeah, like the, the hardest day Yeah, that you had to deal with and got through. And... Oh, I mean, that would have been the end of the movie, the last day of the movie. Oh. Yeah. But, um, but then if you're talking horrific in terms of, uh, you know, like, I don't know, um, other kinds of experiences, uh, then sorrow. <laughs> uh, um, you know, we did we did a fair amount of flying in the beginning of the film. Yeah, uh, I at that point in my life had a, a fairly uh, um, intense fear of flying, which okay. I inherited from my dearly departed uh, mum. Yeah, and um, so Joe came to me early on in the process. I, we hadn't started shooting, but uh, but I had got the I had got the film. I had been doing some tests and stuff. He came to me. and He said. Let me ask you something. How do you feel about flying? And I was like, I love it. I love flying. Of course. <laughs> you know. the, the actor yeah. statement, of course. And he says, because we've been thinking, uh, we've been thinking maybe in the for the beginning of the film that we would actually uh, get up in the air and fly around and shoot those scenes up in the air. I'm like, sure. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm game for that. <laughs> and uh, so. So yeah, they tricked out a, a three cockpit biplane. Everything from the last cockpit back, um, painted it yellow, put a canopy over it, made it look like the GB. They put the camera in the middle cockpit facing backward. And the pilot, Craig Hosking, one of the best stunt pilots in the world, uh, was um, in the front cockpit. And he took me up and flew me around and rolled the camera and we did our, we did our thing. It was, it was the thing that was horrifying about it was, of course, that I, I didn't like flying. Um, but also that uh, that particular plane is flown typically from the rear cockpit. Okay. That's, the, that's the, the, um, you know, the primary cockpit. So that's the one that the pilot is usually in. And the guests, you know, the, the uh, people he's taking up for a joyride are in the front two cockpits. So... There are a few controls uh, in that rear cockpit, the aftmost uh, cockpit, that are not um, redundant in the first two cockpits. Oh, wow. Right? So like, you had to do like some Like the flying. choke <laughs> and the tailwheel lock and a couple of other things I can't think of. Yeah. 
And it was my responsibility, wow. you know, to not, you know. Kill you all. <laughs> kill <Yeah>. us <laughs> by, you know, f- forgetting to do something I oh was supposed God. to do when yeah. I'm supposed to do it. Yeah. And, um, and uh, they had, you know, they had wired a little uh, uh, one-way um, thing yeah. in my leather helmet. And the first time we're going to go up and with this whole rig and, oh and do stuff, um, you know, everything's ready to go. And, and we had tested out the little thing where he talks to me, you know, without the plane running. And, uh, you know, he talked to me and I'm like, yeah, I hear you. Great. Dynamite. And then he cranks up the plane <laughs> and I didn't, you know, <laughs> cranks up the plane. Everything's ready to go. And he, he turns and he goes, you know, hmm, like this. And he's been talking to me the whole time. He's like, are you good? And I'm, all I hear is like, oh my God. And I, and I, I did, I was just so sort of, uh, uh, you're buzzing on every I'm fear, buzzing on every fear. Yeah, and for sure. When he turns, I, his thumb is up and I, and I just, I was like, <laughs> I'm not, I can't oh, no. uh, hear you, but my thumbs up. Oh my God. No. And I'm just unconsciously doing what he was doing, yeah. but I'm trying to tell him I, I can't, I can't. And he's like. Okay, he turns around and vroom, off we go. Oh man! So I'm go. I go up the first time, and I'm I'm thinking, am I doing? Am I shoving in the wow. choke at the right moment? Am I? Oh my god! Locking the tail wheel when we land at the right time? Because and, you and you're performing in the middle of and, all. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was that was horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, um, it, was it a case of did, now in retrospect that you they knew you were new? And they asked you to do more things than they would for an establishment? I I don't think so. I I think it was just, uh, I really think it was just, um, I I don't think they were taking advantage of me. Um, You were game. But I was game. I mean, they they almost certainly knew I was game. Um, And, you know, they knew, I mean... They knew it would look better. Yeah. Joe told me. He said, "Listen, if you if you're not comfortable with this, we can put the you know a, a fake plane on a gimbal at the top of a hill and shoot down and pass you into the valley. Yeah, yeah. And make it look you know okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. We should do it. Totally. We should do it proper. That's the Tom School school of filmmaking right there. You the gotta, Tom Tom Cruise. I mean Tom Cruise school, school of yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. You got you got to go up there. Yeah. You got to do it. Uh, who who is Cliff Secord? Now that you've had time to think about this character, what what would he be doing thirty years after the Rocketeer? Do you think he'd still be flying? Yeah, yeah, he'd be flying. It's funny you ask because I this is the thirtieth year, and I've, I have consequently. Um, it's not funny you ask because we talked about it. Yes, before. yeah, but uh, um, uh, it's the thirtieth year, and I've done a few uh, podcasts uh, as a result, and and. Um, they sort of jarred my memory, and I realized that I have that I I realized at the time that I I had a notebook somewhere, which was my notebook uh, when I was getting ready to do the film, and that I had written uh, a backstory for Cliff Secord, starting with his father, um, and um, I, you know I I sold my house in L.A. as you know a, a year more than a year ago, and I excavated my house and I found all these notebooks and journals and stuff and I, I was sure it was in there somewhere 
And I brought all the stuff that I wasn't getting rid of, um, drove it up here to Vancouver to put in this apartment. And uh, I'm like, I, I must have that notebook somewhere. So I dug around um, some days ago and I found it. I found my backstory That's for, for Cliff Secord. That's awesome. And um, I'm in the process of, uh, of uh, revising it and fleshing it out. So I can tell you exactly who Cliff Secord is in my book. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what Dave Stevens thought, you know, his backstory was. But uh, but I made one up anyway. That's so cool. And, um, and you know, it involves a bunch of fun stuff like, uh, like um, uh, barnstorming in the, in the South and, uh, and other things. And... Um, yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'll do with it uh, when it's done, but I'm having a hell of a time writing it. When you got the role, did you call up Dave Stevens? Did you interview him? Did you sort of dig into what he thought? Not right away. Yeah, because uh, I didn't I didn't even know if you know I didn't even know if I would ever get to meet Dave Stevens. I didn't I didn't you know what 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 had happened was I auditioned for the job and I was working at the Renaissance Fair at the time. I had long hair and a beard, and I wasn't even yeah, I, I'm not you were sure in the I Middle the Ages, script. I <laughs> or was you were in the, the Renaissance. I was in the Renaissance, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, I think I walked into the audition room, and they must have wondered what, what, what is the casting agent thinking? Like, <laughs> you, you were not casting animals for the role, um, and uh, I didn't think any more of it. But uh, months later, I guess uh, they had seen like everybody in town, crazy people that you would never, you were like, what? Don Johnson is the Rocketeer, wow. um, and um, and I guess they were doing some screen tests or something, and uh, they needed to f fill out the day. And Joe pointed to a list, and he's like, "What about Billy Campbell? We haven't seen him in two and a half months." And so they brought me in. In the meanwhile, I had actually bothered to, you know, the the fair was over, so I was like, I had actually bothered to. Uh, you cleaned up a to, bit to no not not i hadn't bothered to clean up but i mean that's my normal state of being is with long hair and a beard but yeah um i had at least bothered to read the script and i was like wait what was i on about this is this is actually pretty cool this is like 1930s and stuff yeah and then I, somebody told me that it was based on a graphic novel i went down to golden apple nice and got the graphic novel and I think I must have like said, holy shit, right yeah. there in the comic book store, because I'm like, that's me. Yeah. Wow. You know? Yeah. And, um, and and it's because Dave Stevens based it on him. And he and I could have been brothers uh, the way we look together. That's wild. So, um, yeah, I cleaned myself up. So I got a you actually could see you as Cliff Secord reading the comic book. Well, in yeah. That's so yeah, great. Yeah, because, I that's mean, amazing. Dave and I look very much alike. I that's mean, we're so both cool. like, you know baby face white boys yeah and um uh i was just like oh, oh my god i could actually get this movie you know and my, <laughs> my mind just came out of the renaissance and turned completely around and um and, and so i i went and got a 1930s haircut and i cleaned my you know shaved my face and i went to the to the um, uh, studio for this test and i remember walking into the sound stage and it so happened that Joe Johnson was right next to the soundstage door at the craft service table, like getting food. And I walked, I opened the door to the stage and this light was coming in behind me. And he, he kind of like, 
did he, a double he take. He did a double take. Oh, man. He and my saw stomach it. was like, oh, <laughs> I can get this. I can get this. And I went through the whole process and it looked really, really good for me, according to everyone. And then, and then they offered it to Johnny Depp. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so my agent, um, my agent's office was next to Johnny Depp's agent's office yeah. at ICM. And he called me up uh, one of those days right after that and said, Billy, Billy, Tracy's going to have a talk with Johnny about whether he should do the Rocketeer or not. And she invited me in the room. Oh, right. And I'm like, oh, I'll call you back. And so he went in the room. He called me back and he said, I was brilliant. I started, I started listing, you know, I listed all the reasons that Johnny should do the Moody. And then I brought it around to like, why he shouldn't, you know, you want to, you want an offbeat career and this is a studio movie yeah. and all of that. And he talked him out of it. Wow. And, uh, and then it fell to me. Crazy. Yeah. I did not yeah. know that. Did you yeah. ever have a chance to meet Johnny Depp and talk about that? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I was at the agency, yeah. uh, one day in my agent's office. Um, and he, he said uh, he got a call on the phone. He's like, Tracy just called. Johnny's next door. Come on, you have to meet him. And I was like, no, 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 no. He's like, you, come on, you're coming with me. And he dragged me over there. And uh, and I, I don't know what to say. I, I think I said thanks. I know I picked him up and gave him a bear a hug. He's, he's like. He's small, yeah. He's like, he's yeah. like that. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, he's a. Uh, very small um and very light and very good smelling <laughs> he, he smelled like like citronella and leather yeah 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 was this uh many years after the rocketeer or not, not no this long? was uh i don't even think i'd shot it yet oh wow crazy yeah, it so was, it was a real sort of it was a real sense was, of gratitude yeah i was that super, he chose. super happy that's amazing. I, I think i i hope i didn't traumatize him the pattern in that movie nailed the 30s, too. And I'm wondering, when you were auditioning, did you study a bunch of old film to kind of get into the headspace of the way that people were rocket fire with uh, dialogue? No, no, no. I mean, you know, it's on the page. The, the, the rhythm and everything is on the page. And yeah. I'd seen enough old films, you know. But, yeah. I mean, we didn't do the kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the trick is to do the pattern without... Um, without uh, overdoing the Right. Overdoing. You don't want to make it too no, like period that. and too crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I guess Joe Johnson had worked on the Raiders movies, the Indiana Jones mm -hmm. movies. So he had that kind of touchstone yeah. with all of that. Yeah. What was it like to go to the premiere and see yourself on the big screen in your first big movie as a, as a superhero? It was, it was, it was insane. Yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. We, JC and I were already, you know, an item. She came over to my place. We got ready there. We got in the limo and went to the the theater there on Sunset Boulevard. It was at the the old um, um, El Capitan. El Capitan. Yeah, yeah. It was at the El Capitan. They had just refurbished it. It was the first movie showing after their wow. refurbishment. It's like a '30s era. Yep. Theater. Total Art Deco. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, you know, got on the red carpet and felt like the world was our oyster, <laughs> you know, for, you know, until the movie opened anyway. Yeah. was I mean, that's the 
you know, people talk about it not being a huge blockbuster success. I think mm. we'd probably see a lot more Rocketeer movies if it had performed better. But mm. the truth is, it did pretty good. It didn't. It didn't do that bad. It didn't do uh, yeah. all that poorly. It. It. You know, I. I always thought of it as the studio not wanting to. To like. In a in a weird way, they could just by writing it off entirely. They didn't have to spend time with egg on their face, you know. Yeah. It didn't make the money they wanted it to, the money they predicted it would. Right. They also fumbled the the release, I think. Yeah. They um it was up against something big. Well, right? it was a period film. Yeah. With no major stars in the lead. Yeah. Uh with you know, a campaign that didn't really market itself very well toward the children. There were Art Deco posters, but that doesn't really, yeah. you know. And this was pre-superhero. Like, you pre had to be into this space already. It had, uh, we, we, they didn't give us our Roger Rabbit uh, goes to World War One um, short that was supposed to be in front oh, of it. okay, okay. Uh, and it was opening between uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and uh, Terminator 2. Oh wow! So you know, it was a, it was like a perfect storm of um, of not uh, you know if you were going to try to have a film fail. It was a different Disney then too, right? Like they weren't the acquisition machine that they are now. Yeah, it was right. A, it was definitely a different Disney. Yeah, yeah. But everybody involved must have been pretty damn happy with what they saw up on screen. It, 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 I mean, it looked amazing yeah. to my eyes when yeah. I saw it originally. Yeah, they, they, they loved it. I mean, the film still holds up. Totally. You know, there are one or two little green screen moments that maybe are starting to look a little threadbare, but this is 30 years later. Yeah. You know? It fits the... And it the does file the, yeah. the, the the flavor yeah. of the film. Yeah, it, it, it does. It, you know, it, it feels really like yeah. you put chewing gum over your rocket pack. Yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's the that's the I think the resonance of the movie. That's why it works so well. Still, I yeah. showed it to my daughter last year. I we think so too. It she, has she loved it. Such a sweet spirit. Yep. Um, which, uh, you know, which I would love. Uh, even if it, it weren't such a big part of my life. Yeah. No. Has it been a, a sustained thing or did you, have you noticed like a, it swell? Like was there like a delayed appreciation and then suddenly people were bugging you about your experience on no, it or has it been consistent? Like a, there was like an ongoing appreciation. Okay. You know, there might have been like a, I don't know, there might have been like in the first few years or something after. I can't say. I don't remember. But it feels like there's been an ongoing thing because you, I meet people all the time. All over like, the world, right? Yeah, all over the world. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that movie. I saw that. My dad took I met a guy. This is a funny story. Uh, I was down in San Diego doing a play at the Old Globe. And I was out with some old rugby buddies of mine, people I used to play against for San Diego when cool. I played for Santa Monica. Anyway, we'll go to a pub. We're all long in the tooth. We're way too old to be like, you know, dealing with young bucks in a bar and you who know, want to scrap or anything. But there's a table close by. Yeah. And it's got some pretty beefy young guys there, like eight or nine of them. And they're pretty darn rowdy. So we're just like, you know, just sitting quietly and, you know, you keep them on the radar because. Uh, yeah. Because uh, one drink if, too many. If for nothing else, you want to know, you know, when and if to run the opposite direction. Yeah. And, um, 
And I, you know, I had gone past their table to go to the loo and stuff, and I, I had seen them kind of like, you know, in my mind, kind of looking antagonistically <laughs> toward me, right? But they, they're all in awe that the Rocketeer well, is in the book. Hold on, let me, you, <laughs> you know, don't steal my thunder. Uh, so I, you know, I go back and we have some more beers, and, and they fall off my radar because you know you, yeah. you have enough beers, and so I'm just sitting there and. Suddenly, my buddy is looking past me with kind of like big eyes, and he looks up, and this hand comes on my shoulder, yeah. this big beefy hand, and I look up, and there's this guy staring down at me with like an unreadable expression on his face. Okay. And I'm like, oh, no. I might be dead. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and he says uh, in the sweetest voice imaginable, excuse me, but are you the rocketeer? Oh, man. And I said, <laughs> you know, like, <gasps> my stomach dropped out. And I said, why, yes, yes, I am. Uh, I was so relieved. And he said, and I kid you not, he said, well, I, I just want to say, I'm, these are my buddies over there. That's my platoon. He said, I'm a Navy SEAL. And I just wanted to say that you're the reason I'm a Navy SEAL. Oh, man. And I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> And he said, yeah, uh, he later told me that his father had taken him to see the movie when he was 10. And he, that moment of seeing that movie was the, the moment when his little mind and heart decided that he needed to be a hero for people. Wow. And that directly led to him uh, years later joining the uh, Navy, and that led to him being a Navy SEAL. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So uh, I was I was blown away. I'm still uh, in touch with him and some of his other platoon mates. And, oh, and in fact, the one and only uh, memento I ever kept from the film was a, a menu from the Bulldog Cafe. Wild. Which had a call sheet stuffed in the back of it. I wish I hadn't. I wish I had taken that out, but yeah, um, I gave it to that Navy SEAL for his birthday. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and he... <laughs> He was a Navy SEAL. Yeah. He was like crying. Oh, man. It was so sweet. That's yeah. incredible. That's, you know, that's what I really admire about you because you, you understand how that work has touched people and mm. you're not overly sentimental about it. You just, you know, you, you see the humanity in it and, and what things like that can, can do to other people. And I caught that from our first con mm. conversations, you know, and the many that we've had since then. Mm. Have you had another role or another, you know, project that has resonated like that, do you think? Or is the Rocketeer kind of special for that? Uh, the Rocketeer is fairly special. I mean, I remember being on, I remember being on Dynasty and uh, it was a big show at the time. And uh, I was playing a, a gay character. Yep. And I think, unless I'm mistaken, that it was the first openly gay uh, relationship on a primetime television show in the u.s and um that must have been huge yeah i think it was pretty huge yeah and uh for a lot of people yeah and i was in an airport <laughs> i was in an airport well i can't quite a few times i had people walk up to me young men older men walk up to me and and say very, very uh, genuinely, thank you for, you know, thank you for that. And that was, that was touching. 
That's amazing. I also had a guy walk up to me in an airport and say, are you, are you? And I said, yeah. And he goes, who's the, who's the actor from JAG? Oh, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Remember his name? Yeah, no, I don't remember his name. He said his name. He's like, "Are you? You're him, Jag. I knew it. You're Jag." And I was like, "Uh." So I just signed and everything. And I didn't disabuse him of the mission. But um, did yeah. you? Did you have that same kind of admiration for other actors, other actors' work? Did you ever meet somebody? Were you ever starstruck? Or did you thank someone for what they contributed in their work to your life? I have thanked people for for um, for the joy that I've, I've uh, got from their work. Um, I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember who. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you the two times I was... I was really starstruck uh, once was when I had just moved to Los Angeles and I still was driving my little white CJ seven Jeep and sorry. It's okay. I was, um, I haven't eaten. I just, I make that. <laughs> He's a robot. Uh, uh, and I was on little Santa Monica Boulevard in Beverly Hills and I pulled up to a stoplight and I was, you know, one of the, the first of, two cars at the crosswalk. And as you do, you know, you're just watching, especially in Beverly Hills, you're people watching, yep. you know. Yep. And um, there's an older man uh, on the far sidewalk standing, and he steps off the sidewalk and makes his way across the, the thing. And the way he stepped off the sidewalk and the way he walked across the, he was absolutely erect. He, he looked like he was, I don't know, 80 if a day. Yeah. I mean, like 85, I don't know. It was like he was gliding across the, uh, the crosswalk. I couldn't take my eyes off him. I'm like, holy cow. I mean, I, I, you know, I never walked like that yeah. when I was like, you know. Fred Astaire? 17, it was Fred Astaire. Amazing. It was Fred Astaire. Unreal. It was Fred effing Astaire. <laughs> oh, wow. Right? And he passes right in front of my Jeep. And I, I, I was like, I was, I was so wow. beside myself that I almost like honked. Uh, my yeah, no. Horn. <laughs> like, I, I, caught my, I caught myself. <laughs> but uh, I just was like, that is the most thrilling that's amazing moment i ever had in in the business that's so uh, cool. in terms of being starstruck by somebody well you were mm. i mean you were working with gary oldman and keanu reeves mm. and and uh, francis ford coppola and yeah. like, like and how far into your career was that starting to happen for you that, you that were was uh, that was only that was my second film so yeah. that was uh, pretty soon i mean I, 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 that would have been uh 90 you know, 91, I guess we started shooting that end of 91 or something. So was that a, a function of, uh, because these were, uh, there were some already some incredibly successful, I mean, Alan Arkin is already like a, mm. a huge Hollywood name by mm. the time you're working with him in The Rocketeer. Yeah. But is that something that you just, you know, any kind of nervousness or f trying to fit it, do you just sort of push that away or was it no, a, I mean, a bit of a No, I mean, sure there's nervousness uh, for me, uh, uh, you know, on day one when you meet people for the first time. And, yeah. and uh, but then that's, that's soon gone. Then you got the on, work to do. Depending on the, on the person, yeah. you know. Um, 
and you have work to do and, and so forth. But uh, no, I felt, uh, you know, I did, I, I had a significant amount of nervousness. I'll tell you this, uh, when we started Dracula, mm. when I first met the whole cast, we went up to uh, Francis's uh, place in, in um, up in uh, Napa Valley yeah. uh, for 10 days, right? Mm. We lived at his, his oh, wow. vineyard. And um, myself and, and Carrie Elwes and, and Richard Grant lived in a, in a worker house down in the vineyard. Yeah. And, um, and the rest of the cast were up in the main house, mm. uh, which was just up the, just up the, just up the way. And um, I was quite nervous meeting everybody there for the first time, right? We had our first read through and here I am sitting at a big square table uh, with like, Right next to me, Anthony Hopkins and yeah, like all these people. Yeah, and um, I I found that quite nerve making that first day. Yeah, and um, I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember breaking for lunch, and everybody went out of the you know it's a barn converted into a soundstage. Cool. And everybody went out the back door of the barn under the a grove of like trees or whatever cypress trees where there was a grill and they were grilling and you know there was food and everybody was sort of getting their food and milling around and i'm standing there with my paper plate like do i just go sit next to winona Ryder? <laughs> yeah. you know do i sandwich myself between uh, gary oldman and, and and richard grant you know i, I was so nervous that I, I turned around and i just snuck back into the studio oh, i was no. gonna eat by myself <laughs> it was day one yeah and uh, I came in through the door, and there's a piano in the corner right by the door. And there's Tom Waits sitting at the piano, noodling around on the piano. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I stop in the door. I'm like, what, what do I do? You yeah. know? And he looks at me, and he, he says, uh, he says uh, uh, what do you want to hear, kid? And I'm like, really? He said, yeah, put your food on the piano. So I, I put my food on the piano. The only thing I could think of was waltzing Matilda. Yeah. And uh, so I got a, a, a concert private, of one, a private amazing concert of waltzing Matilda from Tom Waits Holy shit. playing for me oh. as I ate my food oh. on the top of the piano. On Francis Ford Coppola's uh, uh, at Francis's uh, vineyard. Yeah. It's <laughs> just incredible. Yeah. What an auspicious beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is amazing. That was, it was. It was tremendous. It was really tremendous working I, with all of them. I know that uh, Kevin Smith is as big a fan of The Rocketeer as I am. Is he? Yeah, he's yeah. always raving about that film. Mm. But I'm wondering if you've met people that uh, you know that work in the field that are that are directors or writers or, or uh, other actors that have also just been blown away by The Rocketeer and are happy to meet Cliff Secord. Yeah, I, I'm. I know that I have. I I can't. I can't. I can't think of any off the... I guess it'd be weird to remember that and to keep that. Yeah. But it must feel good that it does resonate. Yeah, I, it absolutely feels yeah. good. I love I love it. And I don't love it like because it means anything about me particularly. I, I just love it that it, it has given so much pleasure to so many people. And yeah. um, there's always a good energy when people are talking about it and, and the kind of people that do love it and... The things that they say are, you know, positive altogether. Yeah, yeah. So when you're making new movies and new shows now, how mm -hmm. does it compare to the, you know, the disciplines that you learned 
and and the set life and the way that people work together when you were starting out is it a very different industry now is it a, is it i don't know is it yeah i mean there's so much that's different about it now right yeah. i mean when i was starting out um um you didn't want to do everybody wanted to do be a film star right right nobody really wanted to be on tv mm. and there was sort of a firewall between the two you know right like it was rare that people escaped the uh gravitational pull of uh, being on television i mean the rare few you know like tom hanks or whomever yeah um and um uh you know i i mean to the extent that you know when i was when i was had done nothing and i was still in chicago and i got my first agent my very first audition was for a soap opera in new york yeah and i guess i aced it because my agent the agent called and said, they want to fly you to New York. You're gonna, you're gonna screen test for all my children or whatever it was, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was like, ah, I, I, I don't really want to go. <laughs> and <laughs> and you knew then that I knew you didn't then, yeah. you know, that I yeah. that I didn't want to get stuck on television, right? And ever since then, I had I had tried even with uh, when I got on Dynasty, number yeah. one show on TV at the time. And yeah. when I was done with my whatever my arc was, like I don't know, ten episodes or thirteen or something, they came at me and said, "We're going to sign you up for five, you know, five year contract. How about that, kid?" And I was like, uh, "Wow, don't really." Yeah, <laughs> I just knew that I didn't want to get stuck because you know everybody wanted to be in movies and i and and you knew that if you got stuck on television you weren't ever going to be in the movies right yeah uh, i mean with you know with exceptions yeah um so it was different in that way i did a hell of a lot of my own stunt work in the first two movies <laughs> most of it um and uh that's different i think i don't think they They're... probably allow that as much right. anymore uh, Tom can do all this own stunt work because he's the producer and he says that he gets to do his own stunt. Yeah. Work, you know? Yeah, yeah. As producer, I'm I'm having the actor do his own stunt work. Um but uh and it's you know, it's different and and it and and in some positive ways. It's uh it's really opening up for uh for women and for minorities and to not be treated as they have been treated. Yeah. And that's positive. It's not just white heroes over and over and over again. No. There's a lot more yeah. voices, a lot more, you know, yeah. different kinds of ways in on these stories. And a lot, lot more of everyone diverse, uh, both sexually and, and racially behind the camera and right. in the writer's rooms. And, and uh, that's only positive. Um, the one big thing that's changed, of course, is that now everybody wants a, a, a a fire hot uh, TV show and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, would rather be in a TV show than in film. What do you think? What do you think that started to change? Was it a question of like HBO came out and they were really good? Or was it like Bruce Willis goes from Moonlighting to uh, the Die Hard movies? And and I, I don't know exactly. I mean, it changed, of course, over time. And, and yeah. uh, with the, you know, with the. Uh, I mean, it used to just be when I first came, it was like basically it was ABC, NBC, CBS. Right. 
right? Now it's every player. And yeah. now it's there's yeah. so many players. And of course that means there's 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 you know so much more of course garbage out there as well. Yeah. But it also means that you know all these people that are putting out content are are putting it out for more specific audiences and we both know of writing yeah. that you write better when you're writing for a specific audience and not a general general generalized yeah. audience yeah um you can just tailor things i always know. wonder how people find things now though yeah true because I mean, there's true. like not only is there so much choice yeah. there's so little places to go for i mean there's a million places to go for information about that but there is yeah. no funnel anymore yeah. like there's no re, like entertainment tonight is still out there yeah. there's there's entertainment like ep is still out there but yeah, I, it's I, just so nebulous now. you have to poke around and, yeah. and uh, dial it in you know you have to use the the googles yeah and um and really uh, know what kind of stuff you're looking for and yeah. then dial it down and get the recommendations and uh, it's not that hard. I think the hard thing for me is like, I mean, my wife and I have, I think like 13 shows on the go. <laughs> we can't ever seem to finish one. Yeah. You know, we finished, uh, I think we'll end up, we're gonna end up finishing The Crown. Yeah. Oh no, we have, we're current with The Crown. Um, uh, you know, we finished um, uh, Warrior Nun. Yeah. You know, Just shout out to David Hader. Shout out to David Hader. Yes, <laughs> put me on Warrior Nun. Um, I don't think you could play one of the nuns. No, no, uh, that'd be a stretch. But I mean, you know, so the, the, the real dilemma for me is not having enough time to watch all the yeah. terrific things that I still haven't seen. Breaking Bad, for God's sake. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, that's that shows incredible. Yeah. Uh, do you play games anymore? When we I first, do. You do. I married a woman who likes video games. That's amazing. Eat your heart out, right buddy. Right or you probably married to one too. Well, she used to before they totally consumed my oh, life, yeah. and then yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, games, no you can take them. I I love them so much that I have to stay away from them. Yeah. So I I. Um, That's why I created a show about them. Yeah. <laughs> I gave myself a lifelong excuse. I don't play uh, often. Yeah. Uh, by anyone's measure, really. My my wife and I have been here's how infrequently we get to play. We're still playing Zelda, Breath of the Wild Breath Wa of the Wind, Wild. Breath of the Wild on the Switch. Um on the Switch. My favorite game, buddy. And we started when we started was when she was pregnant with Alfie, who is three and a half now. Wow. Right? That's awesome. So we're still I uh, no, I think we have defeated the boss in the castle now. That's so great. Um, but we're still like turn it on and run around, see places that we haven't been. And That's stuff. a game you can still keep doing oh, that. In. It's such a beautiful experience, it. right? Yeah. I, I am a I am an open world hound. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about this before. Yeah. You love Red Dead? I love I love Red Dead. Yeah. Um, though I'm a little I was a little PO'd at Red Dead. The uh, second one? No, the first one. Yeah. I haven't gone through the second one. The second yet. one is gorgeous, yeah. but not as good, I think, narratively as the first mm. game. Yeah. I I couldn't um the thing is, ah, Rockstar spoiled me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because when when I was uh, very first getting into video games, computer games, which was far later than most people, um, I played a little game they had called Wild Metal or something. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, a little futuristic tank game. Yeah. But the physics of the things were so real. 
Yeah. And it was, there were all the environments were contained in these sort of, uh, these, uh, it was like land, but it was, uh, it was a arena. Okay. Right. Yeah. And the mountains bordered. So you couldn't, uh, you know, go outside the arena. Yeah. Yeah. Big stiff mountains. I spent like, I must have spent 12 hours trying to eke out a path the side of this mountain. <laughs> you wanted an open world game then. And I finally got it up to the top of the mountain. I actually made it. I made it. And I drove over the crest of the mountain and I drove right up like the edge of this table. I drove right up to the edge of the game. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, that's fair enough. I'm going to go dunk, dunk, right? I gunned it and it sailed off the edge of the game oh, you... and spun down into the, and I whooped and hollered. <laughs> I was like, I love these people. Yeah. This is, you know, they actually programmed yes, that. Yes, yes. And uh, so I loved all those Rockstar games, the driving games that if you see, you, know, you see the mountain five miles away, you can go there, yeah. right? Yeah. And, uh, the, and, and one of the big thrills of my gaming life was when uh, San, in San Andreas, when, uh, when I spent, you know, I, I was like, hell with the game. I'm going to try to sneak into the place I can't go. Totally, yeah. And I thought, uh, and I ended up, if you drive, if you hijack the train and you drive it fast enough through the tunnel, even though the other area is not open yet, it will automatically slow down in the tunnel. But if you've been going fast enough, it'll just go just fast enough to hit the the uh, the little um, thing at the end of the tunnel. They the, put the a barrier. roadblock. Yeah, yeah. And it passes through the roadblock, and then it picks up speed again and goes into the new. And you're and you're automatically so you six broke the stars. Game. That's and amazing. And the military come out. <laughs> oh, that's and awesome. There's jets and bazookas, and you know I, you have to stay on the train. Yeah. Or else you're you're dead meat in two seconds. But I was so thrilled. Yeah. This is a long way of saying, long way around to say. In Red Dead One, I got over to the river by Mexico. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just gonna swim over the river. Yeah. And I went in the river with the guy, and he wasn't even like, you know, in the water to where he's would drown. And he drowned. He drowned. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. They should make it so that you, you know. Anyway, yeah, open I, world for me. Yeah, the, I think. I mean, you can swim in the new Red Dead. I mean, they've gotten. You can. Yeah. But you couldn't cheat and go over uh, to Mexico. Yeah. Yes. I mean, why don't they just let you cheat, go over to Mexico, but make everybody come after you like they did in, in San Andreas? Did you end up finishing Red Dead 1? No, 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 no. I haven't even really played it. I played the oh, first. So good. I played the first maybe like a couple of hours. Yeah. But, you know, I got two kids yeah. and my wife loves Zelda and I just just have not had the time. Yeah. So at some point I will. I, I mean, I knew because one of the cool things that we did together was uh, I brought you into E3 and we mm. got to ha hang out, hang out a little bit in there. And I remember we saw the uh, the Last of Us demo. Yes. And that yes. must have blown your mind. I've never it, played The Last of Us. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. not open world, but yeah. it. I think from a, a vantage point of somebody that's been involved in cinema and on mm. sets for as long as mm. you, you must have picked up on the cinematic quality yeah, of that experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Naughty Dog or Naughty Dog, yeah. yeah. Naughty Dog. Yeah. 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 They've come out with Last of Us Two last year, which was insane. I mean, yeah. I, if the thing about games is if you check out for a bit and then you come back, your mind is just it's just blown. Yeah. yeah. Well I, I have been proper checked out for a while now, right? Yeah. Only playing Zelda for the last year and more. And um I'm super, super excited for some some 
some things that are coming out, especially in the open world environment. There's this game. It reminds me of Zelda. It has that sort of cell shaded um, uh, artwork. Yeah. It's and oh yeah, it's it's the rare. Yeah, rares game. Yeah, wild. Well, I forget wild. Uh, yes, I know what you're talking. You know about. what I'm talking about. Yeah, and we, we don't quite know what that game is we don't, yet. Really. Yeah, yeah. But that's my kind of game. And we're, you know, we're just renovating the farmhouse in, over in Norway. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna splurge. That on sounds a, amazing just to a me. Beautiful, beautiful, big screen TV that's gonna be just awesome. perfect. And then you'll get the because uh, there's the new Xbox and the new PlayStation. I don't 5. know which one to. I don't know what there, to you do. can't go wrong. No, and, and then the not. Switch is uh, going to be upgrading soon. It would too. just be a matter of games, like which is. Uh, but uh, yeah. hopefully, most of the games I want to play are available on all the. They're getting there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something that's changing in games. That's they're they're slowly moving away from this exclusive mentality. Yeah, and you can at like Netflix, you can have a subscription for a lot of these companies now, yeah. Yeah. and you don't own the physical games anymore, but right. you can play almost anything that you can think of out there. Right. What's cool though about um, your fascination still with games is that you just have done some voice work. You did the Rocketeer. Yes. You circled back to the Rocketeer. Yes, I did. And you played Cliff's, not Cliff Secord. No, I played uh, father of, uh, well, I guess I guess he's the grandson yeah. of Cliff Secord. Yes. Um, the father of the, the little father girl. of the little girl in the new Rocketeer animated uh, animated show. Which is yeah. really cute. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. My daughter liked it because yeah. we showed her the, the Rocketeer film and then she just consumed the Disney yeah. Plus series yeah. like crazy and I watched some too and it's very cute. Yeah. What was it like for you to record your first VO work? <laughs> <laughs> it was honest. Honestly, it was lonely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, In Oslo. Uh, yes. You know, I... I I still haven't seen the show. Yeah, I've never met in person any of the people having anything to do with the show. The only person I've ever met is like some equally lonely sound engineer in in Oslo. Yeah, uh, you know, I went up to the studio for some days uh, and uh, took the train home and had my meal with the kids. You know, yeah. I, I haven't. So it's it's odd. It's been oddly. It's been wonderful. I'm so happy to be part of it, but it's also been oddly like, uh, uh, you know, dis personally disappointing yeah. because I just... You want that interplay. Yeah, I don't feel part of a thing. Do you miss L.A.? Do you miss being around I the business? I do not miss L.A. in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I spent enough time in there with in my life and... and uh, you know, if I didn't have people in in uh, in L.A., I, I don't think I would ever go back. Right. But you did have a big chunk of your life out there and all your representation is there. And I moved there when I was 23 and, and uh, you know, I just sold my house in 19. So, yeah. is Can you tell us what you're working on? I don't want to get you in any trouble at no, all. No, no, I don't think it's a, I yeah. don't think it's a problem. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm doing a pilot um, called National Parks. It's uh, produced by Kevin Costner and his production company. Um, it's uh, set in the U.S. National Park Service in the ISB, which is the Investigative uh, Services uh, uh, Branch 
of the Na National Park Service. Yep. Um, you know, the parks have uh, uh, rangers, right? The folks with the flat hats. Um, and those are your, like, you know, I don't know, your parking ticket uh, folks of the, of the National Park. But then they have the ISB, uh, which is a very, very small agency. And those are your bona fide federal agents. Like, they're just like FBI agents or what have you, except that covering 84 million square acres of territory. Crazy. They only have about 30 of these agents. So it's a full service agency. Like if you're an agent in the ISB, you're covering a lot of territory and you're doing all the footwork for whatever aspects of your case are, are active. Um, and uh, so it's going to be a crime show. It's a crimey in... show. Yeah. Uh, set in the ISB. I play uh, the, the putative uh, head of the ISB. Um, and uh, me and my compadres, uh, you know, fight crime in the parks. It's so, amazing how so... much crime is in the parks. I've been haunting the, uh, the uh, you know, the uh, National Park Service uh, yeah. websites. And yeah, I guess people think they can get away with stuff out in the Stuff and they try to hide whatever they can out there. But do, the, do they get caught? Yeah. So usually those cases are Not solved. always. Not no. always, no. Okay. But I mean, there's there's all kind anything you can think of. I mean, imagine yeah. you're a criminal yeah. and there's 84 yep. million square acres of yep. uh, wilderness. Uh, you know, you can to the hide stories bodies are, in. Or, the stories are endless, I'm sure. They right? really are. Yeah. I mean, if you go yeah. through, they have uh, on the National Park Service uh, website, uh, they have uh, uh, yearly reports yep. where they list, uh, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that goes on. And I'm reading through there. I'm like, what? Who even, how did somebody even think to do something like that? That's you know, crazy. let alone do it in a national park. Well, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, the, the Canadian border sequence and the untouchables. And I'm thinking of Miller's Crossing. Mm -hmm. All that stuff's just flashing through my mind. Yeah. So Kevin Costner's company is involved in it. Mm -hmm. Is Taylor Sheridan at all in, involved with the show? No, no, no not, that I, not that I know of. Is Kevin no. Costner going to be on the show too? I don't think so. No, no, no. no. He's uh, producing. His name is also on the script. He, uh, he apparently uh, co-wrote the script wow. with uh, Aaron and, and, uh, and the other fellow. And, um, yeah, and it's, uh, I'm excited. It's, uh, you know, it's Vancouver. You're back in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, how many shows have you done here now? The killing 4,400. Well, I did, I started with Max Q, yeah. which was a TV movie, a Bruckheimer TV movie. Then, uh, then there was a dead man's gun. Right. Then there was, um, maybe, uh, oh, the Ted Bundy movie. There was the 4,400. There was the killing. I think I feel like I'm missing something. There's this one. So six anyway. Did maybe, you maybe you more. you were on Star Trek? Did you ever do Battlestar or <sighs> Stargate or anything like that? I wanted to do Battlestar so bad. I, I know. What's so, the rating on this show? Oh, it's good. You can, can say, we it. say anything. Yeah, about? yeah. Totally. So, so I'm so Battlestar is going on. When I'm, uh, what am I doing? I'm doing the. I was doing something that was on sci-fi. Yeah. Well, 4400 was on sci-fi. Oh, 4400. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that USA Network? Uh, yeah, but they're all part of the same. Part of the same yeah, family. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Bonnie Hammer is the head of yes. uh, sci-fi at the time. And I'm like 
want to so badly be on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> That's like, you know, that show was like the best writing on TV. It's amazing. When it was happening. The incredible show. And uh, we're at some function. I don't know. It's in New York or it's somewhere. I don't know. And, uh, you know, there's free booze. There's tequila. <laughs> and uh, I have a weakness for tequila. And I had just enough tequila in me. And I turn around and there's Bonnie Hammer. And there's a bunch of cameras right there. And she and they're like, they want to interview me about, um, or no, they're interviewing her yeah. about, um, about Battlestar. <laughs> and she said something like, you know, and I had expressed this. I, I think I took a tour of the set one day or something. And I said to somebody, oh my, I love this show so much. And I, w I would love to be on it. And she had heard about it. Yeah. And she was there and she was <laughs> saying, you know, and, and Billy, Billy, even Billy Campbell wants to be on Battlestar Galactic. Oh, God, no. And I said, <laughs> and I said, Bonnie, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I said, Bonnie, I would sell my cock to be on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and print dead, dead silence. Everybody's just like looking and looking at Bonnie. And Bonnie's like, like, like a deer in the headlights. And then she throws her head back and she just starts cackling. <laughs> she was crying tears. She thought it was so funny. But uh, alas, it didn't pan alas, out. Alas, it didn't pan out. <laughs> yeah. I never got to sell anything to that's, be on Battlestar. That's crazy. Is there a, a show out there that, that you admire in kind of the same way or some kind of thing that you would love to see get made that you're a part of? Got anything in the? Yeah, in well, the I mean, there's a couple of shows that uh, we that we dig, and you know, I love shows that are like rooting around in the mud and stuff. I'd love to be on Vikings or you yeah. know, uh, Warrior Nun, as we were talking about. <laughs> I know two producers there. If you're watching this, <laughs> Hater and Amy, I'll make sure to tag David Hater on this. Yeah, one. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's stuff out there. I see stuff all the time that I think is is beautiful. Uh, that's one of the joys of like uh, Netflix, you know, and and you can find stuff that you never would have seen otherwise. Yes. And we're watching this. Uh, we started watching like our 16th or 17th show. Yeah. Um, a Turkish show called Ethos. Wow. Uh, e T H O S, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and and yeah, that's, you know that's got to be the different thing from when you started because they were they were just it was like a, a licensing thing almost to have yeah. a TV show. It was just yeah. like well, we'll just give it to the whatever the the dummies that stay home and watch this. Yeah, right. But our art is going over here. Yeah. But now these portals that we have for yeah. entertainment at home are as big as movie screens and yeah. some cineplexes, multiplexes. Yeah. And we're getting real art. Real we, art. If you want so find, much of it, yes. If you're determined to find real art as opposed to you know how it was with television yeah. many years ago Love when i started three company <laughs> yes yeah you can actually find it if you're determined enough you can find it yeah so the the show that you're shooting now not a series yet so you're shooting the pilot. Not yet. Shooting the pilot. Hope, hoping for a pickup. I, I would love to do at least one one season of this. That'd be amazing. Be back in Vancouver for a chunk of time. Amazing. And then um, I'd have a regular co-host on Vic's There basement. you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah. And then and then we'll see what happens. I'm I'm uh, you know I'm trying to 
At the same time, I'm trying to get my um, trying to get my uh, foot in the door over over there. Cardinal's been a big help with that. Yeah. Um, because it's it's been playing in over a hundred countries, and uh, it's awesome. been doing really well. So it's it's uh, it's been a big help with that. And so you're trying to bring Cardinal to the uh, the, the the Nordic countries or to, to well, set it over there? Well, I mean, I just meant that Cardinal has got my foot in the door over there. But as you mentioned it, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, we talked about it before we uh, started shooting. Uh, uh, yes, there was a, a very successful Scandinavian sort of Scandinoir uh, series called The Bridge. Um, uh, and the gal from that show... The, one of the two uh, stars of that show, Swedish actress, very well-known Swedish actress, watched Cardinal and loved it. And she called up E1 and said, uh, why not another season of Cardinal, a final season of Cardinal, taking place in Scandinavia Perfect. with me as yeah. the bad guy? And I'm like, I was, my producer called from Cardinal and she told me this and I was like, what? Seriously? There's a chance of actually that I could do. So, so it would be a Scandinavian-Canadian co-production set over there? Yeah, kind of? probably something yeah. like that. That's I don't amazing. know. I mean, uh, CTV have uh, kind of uh, done a bit of imploding, so I'm not, I don't think they... <laughs> Bell's a very different company right now. Yeah, right? I don't yeah. think they would be involved. Um, but E1 almost certainly would be, and uh, we would find... Um, I think, um, in fact, the SV... Or whatever they are, the the main television uh, entity in Sweden yeah. have already said they would put in chunk in fifty percent. Wow! So this uh, is going to happen, man. I, I I think it might well happen, and uh, we're I'm now in contact with uh, uh, Sofia Helene, who is the Swedish uh, uh, actor, and uh, we are sort of putting our heads together on possible. Uh, Plots. That's awesome. Yeah. We want you back in some kind of Rocketeer project <laughs> that we can see you on screen in. Maybe yeah. you're playing Cliff Secord, C- and I, I want us to uh, all manifest that somehow. Oh. Let's let Disney know that we want that. That would be awfully nice. That would be incredible. That would be awfully nice. But I love the journey and the uh, you know these adventures that you go on, and and. Uh, your life is so different from when I first met you here. <laughs> yeah, right. When we watched The Rocketeer right yeah, there. Yeah. And uh, congrats on that, man. Yeah, thank that, you. That's what life is about, right? Thank it's you. Constant, yeah. Constant change and engagement. Yeah. And, yeah. Everything, and uh, kids. Everything started uh, going a lot more smoothly when, when I just decided to go with the flow. <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this has uh, been Billy Campbell and uh, what we learned today, the Rocketeer loves The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, That's which is right. the correct right. answer. <laughs> it's yeah. an incredible game. Thank you, sir. Thank you, buddy. And thank you all yeah. for watching, everybody. Uh, make sure that you uh, hit that thumbs up if you like the the show. And, uh, and thank you for subscribing. We'll see you soon. And until then, play forever. Play forever. <laughs>